I want to speak a message that God just put in my heart early in the morning. And I'm going to be speaking on aggression or regression. Aggression or regression. I also prepared a PowerPoint so you can follow along. Amen. Is everybody with me? It might help if I put on my glasses. Because now I got a mini. I had a biggie. Now I got a mini. And it's hard for me to see it. Hallelujah. Now, Mark chapter 5, verse 27. We're going to go ahead and read it. Are you there? I want to thank Pastor Stevon and Sister Chell and the leadership team here. And it's such a privilege and an honor to be a part of this team that God is raising up here in the heart of the bay. I, I sense that God is going to do great things this year. And that's why I believe that God put this message on my heart, because we have to take our position. I mean, God's going to do a lot of things, but he needs us to take our position. We need to stand up for what we believe. It's not a time to shrink back, but it's a time to step out. Amen? Mark chapter 5, verse 27. When Jesus heard, oh, excuse me, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 real fast. If you don't have it, I have it up here. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Now, both of these scriptures that we just read have a thought. And the thought is this, in order to get what you desire, you have to put in effort. Because you can't just kick back and expect stuff to come to you. Opportunity does not come knocking on your door. you got to go out and apprehend it. Are you with me? Now, you've got to be willing to go against the current. Okay, I'm going to explain that. Now, you remember the woman with the issue of blood. She was a woman. By that, she was a down, kind of like a second-class citizen in the day. But she also had her menstrual cycle for many years, which made her unclean. So here was this woman knowing she's unclean, and everybody else knew she was unclean, but she had a need within her life. And she heard about Christ. She saw him on the road, and she said there was a big crowd, but, you know, I still need to touch him. I just need to get to him so I could touch him. So she pressed in through the crowd knowing that everybody was going to shun her, everybody was going to talk about her, that she was considered an outcast. But she did it anyhow because there was a desire for change and she knew she had to go against the current. Now sometimes you have to go against the current to get what you want to get done. And she did. She pressed through the crowd and she said, I'm not even going to talk to him. I'm just going to touch him. And she touched him. And all of a sudden, he said, what's that power coming out of him? They didn't even, the disciples didn't even get it. But she touched him. She went against the current. When you think about the Apostle Paul, he did the same thing. The Bible says he turned the world upside down. This was a cat, man. He would, they would have to release him out of the walls in the city in a basket because they wanted to kill him, going against the current. They, they brought him out of the city, one city, and they stoned him. He got up from the dead, I believe. He got up from the dead. He went right back into that city against the current. See, sometimes you've got to rise up against the currents of this time. See, in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. See, that's why I entitled this aggression or regression. Aggression means this. Turn off your phone. That's what that means. I'm going against the current here. Currently. Okay, aggression means this. Any offensive action, attack, or procedure, an inroad or encroachment, an aggression upon one's rights, the practice of making assaults or attacks, offensive actions in general. Now, regression means this, the act of going back to a previous place or state to return to our reversion, to go back. See, that's why people, they come to Christ, and a lot of times they revert back to the old ways because they don't want to come against the current. They don't want to come against the tide of the world. And it's easy for them to go back to their old lifestyle. Is this thing on? It's getting mighty quiet in here. But see, when you go against the current, you learn to progress, and you do what you got to do, you're going to go against the grain. You're going to go against the current. Now, the ones that win in life are the ones that are willing to fight for what they want. You know what you want. You, you're going to fight for it, no matter what. I remember when I was called to go to the Philippines. Nobody believed me. Nobody. And, you know, I, I even called the pastor that was going, and I told him, hey, I'm going to go with you to the Philippines. God spoke to me. He goes, he hung up on me. Because I was just out of the home. He hung up on me. I go, no, no. I called him back. I go, no, God told me I'm going. I hung up on him. And then I would tell Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, God spoke to me. I'm going to the Philippines. But they had a team. They had like six people or seven people that were supposed to go to the Philippines. And one by one, they started dropping off the team. And I said, I'm still going. I went out during that time in that waiting period where nobody believed me. I fought for it. I went out, got a job. I went out and bought my ticket. I got a passport. I did everything I needed to do. I bought a bag for my stuff. I said, I'm doing everything I got to do to get to the Philippines. Then when it was time to go, I got on the plane. I looked at the pastors, only me and him. I said, I told you. You got to fight for it. When God puts something in your spirit, in your heart, you fight for it. See, you got to attack it sometimes. When Goliath defied God and the children of Israel, here's my first point, David spoke up and fought. He spoke up. Sometimes you got to speak up. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 says this, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Fight, the word that is used here is translated Fight to war, make war, overcome, prevail, do battle, to engage in battle, to wage war. And my favorite definition in the Hebrew is to eat or use as food. Because I like to eat, amen. Well, but you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember when the spies went out? And Joshua and Caleb, speaking of the giants in the promised land, what did they say? They said, they are bread for us. We're going to eat them up and spit them out. See, that's what we have to understand, man. When attacks come in your life, things happen in your life, you make it food for you. You eat it up and spit it out. Spit it out. You don't have to swallow that junk. You spit it out. Are you with me? 
See, the church is basically, we're basically two types of people in the church, or disciples that I like to call it. You have the proactive and you have the reactive. See, most people live in reactive lifestyles. They're always on the defensive. You know any people like that? They react to the attacks of the enemy. All of a sudden, man, I'm going through, I'm not going to church. This leader talked about me. Whatever the case may be. And we live reactively. Well, how come it's not happening to this one the way it's happening to that one? How come I can't get rid of it? Well, because you're complaining. Because you're reacting. Instead of being proactive. See, Paul would have never been a great man of God if he lived a reactive lifestyle. He would have never done it. See, if you learn anything from reading Paul's writings, is that he was always the aggressor. You guys with me? He was always the aggressor. He was aggressive. His entire ministry was on the front lines. He was cutting edge. Everything he did was on the front line. He was coming against the, the leadership of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even though he was one of them. He came against that stuff because Jesus touched his life. He was an aggressor. He was always on the, the front lines, pushing into enemy territory. He was always taking light into the darkness. He was never content to be comfortable and satisfied. See, a lot of times we get comfortable and satisfied. That's a reactive kind of person. You just, you know, okay, you know. But you don't show up to practices when we got to practice. You don't, you, don't, you don't show up to events when we're out evangelizing. You don't show up to different things we're doing. You don't go to the regional services. You don't do anything. You just react on Sunday morning. You know, our Sunday morning should be packed. Our Thursday should be packed. Any prayer meeting should be packed. Any evangelistic event should be packed. We should be there ready for battle with our swords sharp, getting down for Jesus. Time to get aggressive. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, Paul speaks of the warfare of a believer requiring a full-out effort on our part. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark, darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, it's not a flesh and blood battle that we're in, but there is warfare. See, the men are supposed to be the aggressors in that battle. We got to be the aggressor. We're the leaders, man. We got to get aggressive in this thing. Five times Paul uses the word against in our warfare. He says against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then Paul uses the word stand. Did you know that word stand is not a passive word? It's an aggressive word to take a stand, to take a stand. See, if you take a stand, that means you're opposing force. Are you with me? See, when you stand against abortion, when you stand against homosexuality, when you stand against drug abuse, when you stand against domestic abuse, when you stand against child abuse, you are the aggressor. See, too, more, too many people today are saying, oh, it's okay, just don't touch my family. No. There's people out there getting abused, man. It's up to the church to stand up and be the aggressor on these issues. We're not playing church over here. We're a frontline ministry. That's what we do.
Your stand makes you the enemy of unrighteousness. Everything that's unrighteous will hate you. Praise the Lord. Be happy about that because God will love you. See, too many of God's people live reactive lives. They don't stand for anything, and they're not against anything. It's getting, it's getting hot in here now. I'm getting ready to take off my coat. They're always trying to recover from an attack instead of launching the attack. If you're under attack, fight back, man. Don't let the devil slap you around like a stepchild. It's time to get busy. It's time to make it happen. Because the devil's going to come after you. Sure he is. That's his job. He's good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. But when you stand against him, he begins to shake in his boots. He don't know what to do anymore. Amen? See, these people are always recovering. Poor me, poor me, poor me. Those are the ones that drain the leadership of the church. Can I, can I be real? Because they always got issues. Sure, we all have issues, amen? I'm not getting against that, but, but come on, take advice the first time and deal with it. Because you'll notice, man, when you counsel people, it's the same thing over and over and over and over. Get over it. Grow up. It's time to fight back. Learn how to fight on your knees. Begin to get a hold of Jesus Christ in your life pretty soon. You know what? I used to go through depression in the Philippines sometimes because I was far away. You know, ministry's hard. Can I get an amen from the pastors? Ministry's hard. When I was getting under attack and I felt like depressed, I felt like giving up, you know what I would do? I would go to the hospital, and I'd go find my, myself some cancer patient children, and I'd go in there, and I'd lead them to Christ, and I'd pray for them, lay hands on them. By the time I left, I had no more problems. By the time I left, it didn't matter anyhow because I'm leading somebody to Christ. I'm praying for the healing of somebody. Get out of yourself and get to somebody else. I said it before. If you're so dressed up in self, you're overdressed. See, Jesus was always on the offensive. You could never look at him in a reactive way. He was always an initiator. He was an aggressor invading enemy territory. He was always pushing back to darkness. We should do that song. Yeah, yeah. Number two, not only spoke, but also Elijah challenged and fought. Elijah challenged and fought. Are you guys with me? 1 Kings 18, 21 says this, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. They were so stuck in neutral, they said nothing. When the prophet Elijah met the false prophets of Baal and King Ahab on Mount Carmel, Elijah was the aggressor. He was the aggressor. He was the one that issued the challenge. And he was the one that set the terms. He said, okay, we're going to make two sacrifices. Get two bulls, one for you, one for me. You go, you go first. There's 450 of you. Go ahead. You can take the lead. You go first. And what I want you to do is put it all on the wood, get it ready for the sacrifice, and then ask your God to bring fire. Well, there's no God. That wasn't a God. So all they did was run around cutting themselves, screaming. He's clowning them the whole time. <laughs> you guys are idiots. Scream louder. Scream louder. Maybe he can't hear you. So then what Elijah does, he does the same thing, but 
He pours water on his to make it harder for our God, like it's going to be hard for our God. And then he said a prayer, and fire fell. Then he executed all of them. Talk about boldness. Talk about aggression. This dude made it happen. He killed all of them. Imagine the bloodbath out of that thing. Amen? See, the problem with many of us, we live such prayerless, wordless, passionless lives that we're afraid to initiate anything because we're afraid we can't back it up. It's not you, my friend. It's Christ in you. He always backs up his word. It's not about you. It's about him. So step out in faith. Begin to be aggressive. Step out and pray for people. Believe. Talk to people. Lead them to Christ. Do something. Get aggressive. That was one of the greatest secrets of the Apostle Paul. He was aggressive. See, if we're going to experience the power of God in our lives and see God's glory manifest, we have to go on the offense against the works of darkness. We have to learn to live aggressively. Get out of the comfort zone. Do what God has called us to do as a ministry. We have a very special anointing within our ministry to reach treasures out of darkness, to go places in the world that nobody else is going. That's our anointing. That's our power. That's where God shows up. When you step out in faith and you go beyond your means, that's when God says, okay, I got to help him. I got to help him. No problem. I got this. See, even in the natural, we learn that in football and other sports, if you want to score, you got to be offensive. How many want to score? You got to put pressure on the opposition, or you'll never score. Zero, zero is not a win. You got to score. I got an amen in the back. Amen. A little amen. See, when you learn to live aggressively, you know what happens? You begin to wage war all the time. It becomes a lifestyle. You see somebody hurting, you deal with it. You see some problem, you deal with it. Whatever it is, you deal with it because it becomes your lifestyle. You can't walk by a need because you're aggressive. You can't walk by somebody that's hurting because you're aggressive. You can't walk by and see somebody going to hell because you're aggressive. See, we have to understand our clocks are ticking, man. We don't know what day or hour that we're going to go. You have no idea. I already pressed the limit, man. It's like, hey. I was telling him they had a little birthday cake for me the other day. I said, you know, as the older I get, I think about the hereafter a lot, like a few times a day. I'll walk in my room. What am I here after? I'll walk in the closet. What am I here after? What am I here after? That's part of life. Amen? But we got to be aggressive. we got to put pressure. See, by living aggressive for God, we're going to continually push back darkness. And that's the key. That's why we're here. When you live in this bold, aggressive spirit, you begin to threaten hell. That's when the devil will attack. But he's afraid at the same time because you're fighting back. Did you know when there's an aggressive behavior around you that's not godly aggression, a smile will kill it? A Jesus loves you will stop it in his tracks? I remember when I was in the home, first time we went to EPA, and this was like 23 years ago when it was tore up. It's different now. But I mean, there was 
hookers everywhere. I'm just being real because that's what was happening. But I remember I happened to experience one of the guys slapping one of those girls. And I was in the home, fresh out in the home, man. And I, I just had a flyer. And I ran up to him and I said, hey, bro, Jesus loves you. And handed him a flyer. And he, he went and he walked away. He stopped slapping her. <laughs> Amen? The devil hates aggressive Christians because aggressive Christians prove that the word of God is true. We prove it's true. When God looks at people like you and I and people see us, they know it's all God. It's all God because we were the foolish things of the world. Amen? And we proved it a lot. Now that we have wisdom, we try to prove it less. <laughs> but it still pops up once in a while. Amen. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we should pray aggressively, praise aggressively, give aggressively, and love aggressively. In other words, put fire into your actions. Jesus said, the zeal of your house hath eaten me up. That means he was on fire about the things of God. Sometimes we come to church like we got the short straw, like it's punishment. Well, my wife brought me here, so I'm here. Because I know if I don't make her happy by coming to church, no dinner. But it's not punishment to be here. It's a, it's a joy to be here. It's, a, it's awesome to be able to come into the presence of the Almighty King of Kings. It's an awesome joy to be able to come here and get direction from God and to sit and, and understand what God is doing, to worship the King of Kings. Man, you know, it's so awesome. When we learn to worship correctly and aggressively, more things happen then. That's when callings are going for. That's when healings are taking place. It's not about preachers. No, no. It's about the presence of Almighty God. It's about God getting a hold of your life. Once you touch his throne of grace, things begin to change. Paul said, I reach forth unto those things which are before me and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, there's a mentality that has invaded the church that the Christian life is just a big marathon race. You're guaranteed to win by signing up. That was never the attitude of Scripture. It never says that in the Word of God. You know, you just enter the race, you're going to go to heaven. You know, that these are the people that say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. That's good enough for me. No, it's not. The Bible tells us clearly the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We must lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beats us and runs us and entangles us before the race. You know, if you look in the Greek picture of that, it speaks of a robe, the sin that easily entangles us. It's like a long flowing robe, and you wrap it around. You try to run a race in a long robe, what's going to happen? You're going to trip. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. That's what sin is, the one that easily entangles. In other words, that's the one you like. Your little secret sin, the little hidden one that you don't want to tell anybody about. That's the one that's going to tangle you up. Not the big ones. It's the little ones nobody but you know about and God. Those are the ones you've got to deal with because those are the ones that are going to trip you up in this race. You're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt others. 
Are you with me? See, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put off the old man, the old deeds, and put on the new man. Matthew 7, 14 says this, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You don't win the war by joining the army. There's got to be training. There's got to be discipline. There's got to be fighting and even some casualties. Don't expect heaven without a little hell. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. There's a devil who hates you and wants to destroy your destiny. And he wants to destroy your life. That's his job. He hates you. You might as well recognize that the fight is on. And if you're really going to make a difference, you got to get mad. You got to get mad. Did you know that anger is energy? It produces adrenaline. Have you ever been angry and did something stupid? I know we all have, right? I'm, I'm the only one. But when you're doing it, you're very strong. Have you noticed that? You turn all red and go crazy, like the Hulk, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But we got to become angry at what the devil's doing if we're going to change it. Don't get angry with your brother. Don't get angry with your sister. Let's get mad at the devil. We will never become aggressive, and we'll never change it unless we get angered by the works of the devil. See, as a child of God, poverty should make you angry. Sickness and disease should make you angry. Oppression, abuse, prejudice, and injustice, that should make you angry. See, when anger is properly focused, it becomes energy and a power for change. Are you guys with me? How many remember the Incredible Hulk? Okay, I'm talking about the series with Bill Bixby a long time ago. Some of you guys probably never seen unless you look on MeTV or something. Now, it was called The Incredible Hall, and it starred Bill Bixby as David Banner. And Lou Ferrigno was The Incredible Hulk. Remember that? Now, the series began like this. He was a young, happily married man, and his wife were out for a ride. And then they had a blowout in their car, a tire. He loses control of the car. It rolls over, and he gets out, but his wife is trapped inside the car. The car explodes, and she dies in the explosion. So much for happy endings. That causes David Banner to be so angry at himself for not being able to help her that he goes on a personal crusade to find the secret of strength. Amen? Now, he interviews a bunch of people who had similar experiences and situations. Now, in some rare cases, excuse me, at the critical moment, they experienced superhuman strength, adrenaline, that enabled them to save their loved ones. His testing ultimately leads him to study gamma rays because there seemed to be a connection between these rare cases and sunspot activity or solar flares. So in his experience, now this isn't true, so don't try it, okay? It's only a show. You're going to start dealing with the sun, you're going to get hurt. Now, in his experience, he accidentally ODs himself on gamma rays. When I say OD, I got your attention. Okay, good. Now, 
This alters his chemical makeup so that whenever he gets angry, he changes into the Hulk, a massive force of human strength. Now, the problem with a lot of Christians is they haven't got enough dose of the Holy Ghost gamma rays. If you want supernatural strength, you need the Holy Ghost gamma rays on your life. See, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, something changes in your makeup. Something alters your attitude. You can't just sit idly by and watch the devil destroy lives. There's something about a Holy Ghost anointing that puts steel in your backbone and fire in your veins, and you just can't sit still. You have to take action. You have to pick up your spiritual artillery and get into battle. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. See, when you get full of Holy Ghost gamma rays, sin will make you angry. That's what's going to make you turn green and get big. Because you're going to see some sin, it's going to make you mad. And you're going to get so angry at the sin, not the sinner, but the sin that you're going to do something about it. Are you with me? That's why it's important we get filled with the Holy Ghost. We get filled with the anointing of God. That way sin bugs us. It's not like we can walk by it, man. Oh, it's okay. That's just some homeless guy. No. Share the love of Christ with that guy. Get him a sandwich. Don't give him food. He get drunk. Don't give him cash. Just feed him. But, man, you don't walk by the knee because why? You're filled with the Holy Ghost. And sin and poverty, that bugs you. You can no longer see people go to hell. It bothers you. When you see people's lives destroyed by the devil, it stirs you up. You, you're not the same anymore. It will make you angry when millions of babies are aborted every year. Every year. Talk about killing, man. This is a killing field. Millions of babies are aborted every year. And you know what's crazy? Most of them are killed in the name of research. That doesn't make you angry. That doesn't make you mad. We just had a baby dedicated. What a beautiful thing. Instead of killing it, we're, we're giving it to God. We're giving Julian to God. That's great. That's awesome. But how many mothers are talked into giving their children to abortion because they're young or made a mistake or whatever? Nah. Where's the church? Where are we? It'll make you angry when you see people dying of AIDS and sexually transmitted diseases. There's something wrong when sin no longer angers us. There's something wrong with us when we don't get mad at that. There's something wrong when we can't see the effects of sin and it doesn't change our continence. It's just okay. Oh, that's, that's okay for him. No. No. When I see people going down like that, I lose sleep. I stay awake. I can't. I had a different message I was supposed to speak today, but no, I couldn't. I couldn't because God was dealing with me about sin. There's something wrong when we can see somebody hooked on drugs and it doesn't bother us, especially when we came out of that lifestyle, especially you and I. We came out of that mess. Doesn't That should make us aggressive. It should make us prompt. To do something for God. Number three, the last point. You're saying, praise the Lord, I'm hungry. 
Samson got angry and fought. Samson got angry. Are you guys with me today? Judges chapter 15, verse 15. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. I didn't use the King James for a reason. Because I already made one mistake, amen? (laughs) Reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Now, even with his supernatural strength, and I want you to get this in your spirit, Samson was no threat until he got angry. He was no threat to the enemy until he got mad. You're not going to be a threat to the devil unless you begin to get mad at him. Unless you get mad at what he's doing to the people of God. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ died for everyone that's out there in the world. Every one of them. Until you get mad at what the devil is doing to them, you're not going to do anything. When Samson got angry, something was getting ready to happen. See, anger motivated Samson to action when he got angry. 2 Samuel 23, 11 and 12. It tells about a man named Shammah who had a piece of ground full of lentils, a bean patch or frijoles, and for the Filipinos, mungo. As was their custom, the Philistines came to destroy his harvest. When Shammah's friends saw the Philistines coming, they ran for their lives. I believe this was not the first time this happened. And I believe the enemy expected Shama to run because he ran before. But something had changed. Something snapped inside of Shama. He made up his mind that he was not leaving. He began to say to himself, this is my land. This is my harvest. I'm not leaving this time. He was angry at the Philistines, and he was angry at himself. See, sometimes we got to get mad at ourselves. we got to say, you know what? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to make a change in my life. I need to do something positive. I need to make an impact in the world. i got to do something. Until we get mad at ourselves, we'll never get mad at the devil. He got mad. He was so mad that he decided, I might die today, but if I die, I'll die fighting for what belongs to me. I'll die fighting. I'm not going to die on my knees. I'm going to die fighting. You got to understand something. This is your church. This is your church. Take ownership of it. I'm going to fight for this church to death. I'm going to fight for my pastors to death. This is how I roll. If you're not, you don't want to roll with me, fine. Don't roll with me. But I'm fighting to death. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep moving forward for God. I'm going to do what God called me to do because this is what I live for. I don't care what the devil says. He said, that's it. Shama decided it was worth it. Let me tell you, it is worth it. It is worth it. Because our children, our children's children, their children, there's got to be a base where they can come to, a place where they can come and get a hold of Jesus Christ. There's got to be a place where the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. That's why we're building our own church. That's why we're going to have a spacious land. That's why we're doing great things for God. Why? Not for us, for them. For them. It's not about us. It's about them. Is there anyone who believes your children are worth fighting for? Is there any, 
Is your health worth fighting for? Is your ministry worth fighting? Are your dreams worth fighting for? Is your vision worth fighting for? Is your husband, is your wife worth fighting for? Then start fighting. Be that example of a warrior. Do what you need to do. Is there anybody like Shama that would say, the last time was the last time. I'm not running anymore. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to make an impact in this generation. The last time was the last time. I'm not running this time. I'm not going to hide in a cave this time. I'm not going to watch the enemy destroy everything I work for. Everything I prayed for, everything I sweated for, everything I cried for, everything I bled for. No, devil, you can't have it. You can't have it. Tell your neighbor, I ain't taking it anymore. Oh, tell the other one too, I ain't taking it anymore. I'm through living defensively. I'm through living reactively. I'm now going to be an initiator. I'm going to be an aggressor. I'm going to make it happen. Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Behold, I have given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As A.J. comes, let me tell you something. We have authority, church. It's time to step into it. It's not about us, it's about him. Step into the authority that God has given you. Begin to make an impact in this generation. But it starts right here. It starts in the heart. I read a story, and I'm going to read it to you. During the war between the states, the rebel and Union soldiers were in a skirmish near a home. As they were shooting at one another, an aged old grandmother, probably in her 80s or 90s, I don't know, she picked up her broom. And she began to go towards the enemy. And everybody else said, no, don't go out there, Granny. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You can't do anything with a broom. She goes, yeah, I know, but at least they'll know what side I'm on. What side are you on? What side are you on? If all you got is a broom, start sweeping for Jesus. What side are you on? Listen, church, it's time to take a stand. Are you willing to fight for yourself? Are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to fight for your friends? Are you willing to fight for your church? Are you willing to fight for your neighbors? Are you willing to fight for your city? Aggression or regression, which way are you going? See, our founders took an aggressive stance against the enemy. Many years ago, over four decades ago, and we're still moving forward. We're still doing great things. They're not done. Pastor Sonny, Pastor Tony was just telling me he was just in Mexico somewhere on Telemundo. Pastor Sonny hasn't slowed down an ounce, man. He's, he's still moving forward aggressively, bringing the vision to the world, aggressively doing what God has called him to do. Pastor Steve, until death. Pastor Stevan, taking the vision, keeping it going forward, taking the mantle, bringing it to the next level. It's time to take a stand, church. Don't let the devil get a victory in your life. Get mad at him. I'm tired of him hurting children. I'm tired of what he's doing. It's time to take a stand. Take a stand at this altar. This altar's open.